0: Welcome to the C3 Eastern Suburbs podcast. We're glad to have you tune in today and hope this message blesses you. If you'd like to visit, we meet in Gleninus, Auckland on Sundays at 10am. You can also find us on www.c3easternsuburbs.org.nz. Enjoy the message. A little bit, it's kind of this Isaiah 40 scripture. And it finishes with this part of which is that the glory of the Lord will be revealed and everyone would see it together. And that's my prayer. That's my heart for this morning. That the glory of God would be revealed and would and see it together. It's kind of like no man left behind. No child left behind. Uh, the, the, you go, ah, okay. That's it. But we'll get there to that scripture. But I want to just probably go over the scriptures before, it, before we get there. So Isaiah 40, uh, verse 3 to 5. And... Um, when I was looking at planting the church, I was going, God, give me a scripture for the church. And, and this is the one. So whenever a preacher it kind of resonates, well, it resonates with me. Hopefully it resonates with you. But hopefully this is getting into your spirit somewhere along the road. So it's Isaiah 40, verse 35, and it's this thing, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. And, and there, there's a cry that comes out of the place of the wilderness. There's a cry which comes out. When you've been walking through the wilderness, there's a, cry, there's a shift. There's a change in your voice, right? And don't despise the wilderness because, you know, sometimes you go, oh, man, not the flipping wilderness. He wants to go through the, the, the wilderness. I hate that stuff. But there's something which is this, this desperation which comes out of your voice once you've been through that place. And, you know, after Jesus's, you know, water baptism, he, he goes under the... Water, John the Baptist baptises him. He goes under the water and, and gets water baptised, and this crazy dove thing comes on his head and everything. The Holy Spirit descends. I don't know how that all works. But he gets filled with with the Holy Spirit at the moment. He has this, you know, the voice from heaven. This is my son. I'm well pleased with him. And, and go, man, that's that moment. And then suddenly he's compelled to go into the wilderness, and uh, he's in the desert for 40 days. And it says... Luke chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You think the Holy Spirit is, leads us into the wilderness sometimes? Because you know, that's tricky, eh? You think we, the Holy Spirit would just lead us to green pastures and nice stuff. But sometimes the Holy Spirit takes us there, and he was tempted by old hairy legs, Satan, Beelzebub himself. 40 days, and he has these encounters and and he speaks scripture and all that good stuff. But verse 14, and Jesus returned 40 days later in the power. Okay, this is different. In the power of the Holy Spirit. And, And we need that power, right? And sometimes we've got to go to the wilderness to get that power. Something shifts at that time. It says, a voice of one crying, calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And again, this make way for Jesus. We make a roadway and prepare a way, point people to Jesus. That's the church mission statement. Help people find and follow Jesus. Very simple, because I am simple, and it works. And then it goes on. Remove the obstacles. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, and the rugged places a plain. And it's just remove the obstacles. You know, there's so many obstacles for people to actually find Jesus and get to Jesus and as a church. And we can flatten some of those and remove those and make it easy. Make a pathway, a highway for people to find Jesus. That's good. And then verse 5. This is today's scripture. This is the scripture of the month. For the glory of the Lord will be revealed. Okay? Not might. Not sounds like a good idea. But the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all the people will see it together. And that's, man, that is my prayer this season, that God would reveal his glory, would get it. Because when we look through the Bible, like in in the Old Testament, there were like glimpses of the glory of God. There was moments when the glory of God would descend and there would be incredible moments. The first, or one of the main moments is when Moses uh, gets the Ten Commandments. And, uh, you know, the thing was that knowing to see God's face and live. So it's kind of, you know, God turns up at these moments and the power of God. And he goes up onto Mount Sinai and gets the Ten Commandments. And he meets with God and spends 40 days there. And he gets this incredible download of how the whole tabernacle should be built, the Ark of the Covenant, and all that stuff puts together. He spends 40 days up there. And Exodus 33, this is kind of where he's at there, with Moses. And the Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And then Moses said to him, If your present does not go with us, do not send me send us up from here. How will anyone know that we are pleased with me, that you are pleased with me and with your people, unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all other people on the face of the earth? It's the presence of God. You know, and how often we say, Oh mate, I can do it without it. <laughs> She'll be right, we'll get that's the key attitude, isn't it? I can get on by myself, we'll be fine. But Moses said, No, 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 no. Man, I need the presence of God. Don't me let me even do this thing. Don't me, let me lead the people. Do not me, let me even go from here unless you go with me. And that should be our cry, right? Yeah. Come on, say, God, I need your presence. This is too hard. This is. I need you to go with me. And how will people know? How will people know that God is actually with the church or with us as a people unless His presence is with us? And that's got to be a bit of our cry, right? That there's something would stir within us and say, oh, God, let us not do this thing without you. Let us not just go around the, the mulberry bush or the burning bush or whatever bush we're looking at and, and just do the same old and same old and, and just go around and round, unless your presence is there. That would call on the presence of God. And then the Lord says to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked. This is what I love about God. He says, okay, Moses, you've asked for this. I'm going to turn up. And I have found in church life that you get what you go for. That you get what you pursue. And I, I want us as a church to be to pursue the presence of God. Say, God, we need you. God, we need you. And Moses said, now show me your glory. That's bold, isn't it? And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there's a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by. Come on. The glory of God passing by. I will put you on the cleft on the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. And the glory of God passes by. And Moses is transformed. It changes it in verse 30, chapter 34. It says, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets and the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. His face glowed, you know. The presence of God should shift our countenance, right? You know when you meet someone who's been in the presence of God, it's different. Something's happened. Something's going on at that point. The presence of God. Uh, 1 Kings 8.10, we have the dedication of Solomon's temple. And they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant. So this is down the track, the ways. And they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant into the Holy of Holies. Solomons finally build a temple for the presence of God. And there's there's nothing in the Ark, you read it through, except the two-stone tablets. So these two-stone tablets, which Moses had got from God, And it says that when the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The presence of God filled this place. You know, because sometimes people ask me, you know, when you pray for people and they fall over, why do people fall over when you pray for them? It's because they cannot stand. I don't know how it all works or how it happens, but it's, it's the presence of God. When the presence of God turns up, people can't stand. the goodness of God. there's there's, there's weight, there's shift, there's change what happens in the presence of God and when you read through the Old Testament the the, the Holy Spirit would turn up on different people at different times there was moments where the presence of God would descend where the goodness of God would come on people you know Samson for strength suddenly this incredible strength would come upon him the prophets you know when you read through all the Old Testament prophets and they would prophesy and speak the things of God and you know the creatives, this guy by the name of Belazil and Aholiab who kind of built the temple and they were these like creative dudes and the Holy Spirit would come upon them and they'd create all this crazy stuff in the temple and build these things and, and make stuff. And the Holy Spirit would come on and, and it's cool in the Old Testament that it kind of happens. But the New Testament is, is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's different, the day of Pentecost. So we're celebrating like 2,000 years later the day of Pentecost, but it actually goes back way, way, way before that, the day of Pentecost. It was actually a Jewish festival called Shavuot, which was celebrating back what we talked about before. It was actually celebrating Moses receiving the law at Mount Sinai. So that passage where the glory of God descended right at the beginning was actually what was it about, and it was 50 days after Passover. So 50 days after them leaving Egypt, the Exodus... They turn up, and 50 days later, the glory of God descends, the presence of God. And then we shift through to Jesus, and then we have Jesus being crucified, when? At Passover. Then 50 days later, they come to Pentecost Sunday, or the festival of Pentecost, is also known as the festival of weeks if you're sometimes reading the bible or sometimes referred to the festival of harvest or festival of first fruits and what i love and i'm amazed about the bible is it all interconnects you know i it's not just a bunch of random stories which kind of got lumped together in a book but there's this timeline and the history and the amazing thing how god weaves this thing together and so we got this 50 days later after easter after Jesus has died on the cross and passed away. And, and the disciples are there. They're in the upper room. It's about 120 of them. And they're going, oh, man, what are we going to do? Jesus is dead. How does this all work? He's told us to wait. He says, don't leave home without. It. Wait for the Holy Spirit. And so they're, they're waiting. Who likes waiting? We don't like waiting, do we? We're going, ah. We don't like waiting for nothing these days. But he says, wait, wait. Don't leave home without it. It's like American Express card. It's kind of like, you know, don't, don't, just, Stay there, wait. And there's 50 days in Acts 2 verse 1 says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Come on. The glory of God, the presence of God. At that moment. Some people describe it as the birthday of the church. The day the church was actually born. See the church is born in power. It's how it's supposed to operate. This outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and this is a major shift. Because Old Testament was kind of the Holy Spirit. Turning up at certain moments. And glimpses. It was for the leaders. For the prophets. For the special few. When the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. It's for everyone, Jews, Gentiles, Greeks, us. The presence and the power of God, it's not, it's not an exclusive, just, you know, for those people who are slightly Spiro, and, uh, you know, those ones. And, but no, it's for everybody. The presence of God is for everyone. Acts 1, 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Samaria, to Judea, to Jerusalem, to the ends of the earth. The presence of God. You know, as, 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 as C3 church, you know, we're a Pentecostal church. You know, what the heck does that mean? It's, you know, it's kind of a strange word. I mean, Pentecost actually just comes from the Greek word, um, which means 50. Pente, I did write it in here, Pentecoros or something like that. It's, it just means 50 days. It means 50. But, it, but it's this, it's, we're a Pentecostal church. But it basically means we believe that the same power that happened on that day is available for us here today. That there's powerful healing. Come on, there's powerful new life. There's powerful speaking in tongues. That the gifts of the Spirit is available and there for us today. Who wants some of that? You know. And so often as a church, we just we go through the motions. We sing some nice songs. We shake hands. Have a cup of coffee, and we go home. And I go, come on, let the power and the glory of God be revealed amongst us. All right. And I know you go, oh, you know, and I know we come in from different backgrounds, you know. I know people in here who, who are just new to the whole faith thing going, oh, I don't know, it got weird. It was about to get weird. <laughs> What's going on? It's about to get weird. You, go, oh, you know, and people who go, come from other, you know, Catholic or Anglican or, you know, brethren or, you know, other church backgrounds. And you come in, Pentecostal, oh, no, this is, this is this. no, no, no. This is where the power is. This is where we need the power and the presence of God to shift and meet with us. You know, it stands to figure if it's a, God's a supernatural God, that the church should be supernatural, right? Yes. Come on. And we need a supernatural church where God's goodness and his love and his power is revealed to us. Because that's what makes a difference. I don't want to do this thing without the presence of God. I don't want to do this thing without the power to change lives, the power which actually brings people alive. And we need the Holy Spirit in this day and age more than we ever did. Come on. From glory to glory. There's this crazy scripture in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17. And I'm going to try and unwrap it, but it's, there's so much in it that I'm not going to do it justice, but I'm going to try to, okay, <laughs> in these last few minutes. Here's Paul. He's, he's writing to the church in Corinth, and, and again, it all interconnects, this crazy scripture stuff, and the previous verses, he's talking about the Old Covenant, and the Ten Commandments, how the Old Covenant is engraved in stone, and it talks about the glory of Moses' face, that Moses had this, you know, this crazy, radiant face after spending that day with God, those 40 days with God, and, but that, even that was fading, And it says, Now, if the ministry which brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, this is the old covenant, the the Ten Commandments, came with glory. There's a lot of glory and glorious in here, okay? Who's ready for the glory? Yeah, Yeah, okay. So that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transistory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? So they're thinking, that was pretty cool for Moses, right? That was pretty cool radiant faces, I don't know, plutonium or whatever, but the new stuff, the New Testament is more glorious, there's more glory, and if the ministry that Old Testament which brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness for what was glorious has no glory, now in comparison with the surpassing glory, come on, (laughs) do we get that, more glory. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Anyone very bold? Come on. We, we need to get very bold. Come on. So, so often we're timid around this. Day. I go, oh, I don't know if that's going to happen. That's a little bit weird, a little bit freaky. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away, but their heads were made dull for this, to this day. The same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. And, and there's a whole people who, who, they don't get it. There's a veil, it's like, it's like a, ah. And this is where we need to pray that the glory of God would be revealed. And people would see it together. Now, even to this day, when Moses read, a veil cover their, their hearts, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, and I love this, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. There's revelation which comes. Now, this is my prayer, is that you know, when we come into this place, when we walk in the street, there'll be a revelation. Ah, okay, that's it. All it takes, you turn to the Lord, and there's revelation. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And now the Lord is the Spirit, and with the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. Come on, who needs some freedom? Come on. When the Spirit of God turns up, there's freedom. See, so often we think, you know, come to Christ and shut your life down. Can't do this, can't do that. You know, it's going to be boring. Um, Stay home. No, 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 no. When, When the Spirit of God comes... There's life, there's freedom, there's liberty, there's the good, and, and we need freedom. And we all, this is verse 18, and we all who, with unveiled faces, comp, comp, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed. Okay, the, the word there is metamorphosis. Okay, being transformed. See, we're being transformed, metamorphosis. It's like the idea of a caterpillar to a butterfly. I heard someone's doing an album about something like that. Is, is there somewhere? Come on. <laughs> Transformation. Metamorphosis. See, the transforming power of God changes us from one person to another into his image. So we're changing to become more like Christ with ever increasing glory. Okay? Some other translations say from glory to glory. Okay? So that there's more that we should change that the presence, when we get the presence of God on us from ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will transform you. Instead of this place of being anxious, instead of this place of going, man, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know how this is going to work out. But there'll be a boldness and there'll be a faith and there'll be an expectation, which gets on and say, the goodness of God is upon me. There's freedom in Christ and something would get on the inside, which would cause us to shift in the name of Jesus. Come on. That healing would come, the presence of God would get upon us. The fruit of the Spirit. See, what does this fruit of the Spirit bring? Galatians 5:22. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, and a couple others in there which I've missed right now. But they, they are there. See, joy. Come on, we need a bit of joy. Goodness. Faithfulness. 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 Thank you, congregation. Very helpful. They're in there. That's, that's what the Spirit of God brings. The Good things from glory to glory, it's supernatural power to transform us. One moment in the presence of God shifts and changes everything. And we got to get ourselves into the presence of God because sometimes it's hard for us, isn't it? Right? We resist. Oh man, you know, flipping church again, or get you know open the Bible and go for that walk meet with the presence of God but that is the thing which transforms us from glory to glory is allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us, the presence of God to get on the inside of us which transforms us metaphormorphous, transforms us on, on the inside. I was thinking about this and I remember praying for a guy um, way back in the days and uh, he came to see me in my office and said oh man I'm, he was sick, he was on the sickness benefit and, and things were not good for him and he says, oh, man, Glenn, I, I just need someone to pray for me. I'm feeling not good. Um, and so I remember just laying my hands on him and starting to pray. And the presence of God, the glory of God, turned up. And we went into the church auditorium. I should come through. We'll just pray in the auditorium. remember the presence of God coming down on him, just like, going, "Ooh, you know, the tingling of this is this is different. <laughs> What's going on here? And, and he that was going off for a few minutes, and and he turns to me and and he says, "I keep getting this word infirmity. What does that mean?" And I said, "Infirmity—that's that's another word for sickness." Did you know? And he said, "Oh, I didn't know that." He says, "I think we need to pray against the spirit of infirmity." He says, says, yeah, let's let's do that." <laughs> and so we we cast out the spirit of infirmity. We prayed against the thing, and the, you know, I was talking to him later, and he says it was like this big, mass dark thing like, shot out, out of him. And he said, and then was, all these little critters, you know, little pinged off and <laughs> flew off. But it was like when the presence of God came into his world, when the power of God came into his world, everything shifted. And we need the presence of God. see, you know, we're not just playing games when you come in here and sing a few songs because we want nothing better to do on a Sunday morning, but letting the power and the presence of God to get upon us and shift us and transform us. And, you know, we're praying for him in strong tongues and just going, come on. And speak in the name of Jesus and the power of God come into the place. And shifts things and breaks things open. And, and he, he got healed as well. As You know, he got off the sickness benefit, got a job, got a girlfriend, got married. I mean, lived happily ever after, as far as I know. I mean, amazing. <laughs> all, all from one encounter. You know, And we need those encounters. I was talking to someone else this week who, who a few weeks ago st- stood here on the altar and, and presence of God changed, shifted. Countenance changed, the glory of God. And we need that. We need the power of God that we position ourselves in that place where we allow the power and the presence of God to get upon us and make all things new. Because we need freedom and we need the goodness of God the veil would be lifted, the heaviness gone, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and the people will see it together. Come on. Yeah. Come on, why don't we stand? Can we let's have the musos back? I was thinking about this, and I thought, oh, man, I need to actually tell you how to receive. Because so often with, with this stuff, you think, okay, so what do I do? How does that work? The things with the kingdom of God, we receive things by asking. We receive things by asking, and we received things by being thirsty by being hungry, and going, "God, I need you. I'm thirsty. I, 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 I desire it." You know In Luke 11, Jesus is talking about prayer and says, "You know, if you're a son and you, you ask for bread, you're not going to get a stone, or if you ask for a fish, you're not going to get a snake." And, 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 and then he says, "How much more, how much more will I give my holy Spirit to those who ask?" See, because we think, oh, man, I, am I going to get deceived? Am I going to get a different spirit? Am I going to get something weird? Or, you know, how does that work? No, 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 God's a good God. who, who, who wants to give you good gifts. He says, you know, you, you, you fathers are evil, but you give your kids good gifts. How much more your heavenly father is going to give you the good stuff? It's salvation. It's salvation. There's salvation. You know, in that scripture we read before, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Maybe you've just felt like you've, there's been like a veil. And, you're so, and it's not you going, oh, I kind of get it, but I feel like I'm missing it. It's almost like, oh, it's just not clear. It's, it's not there. My prayer this morning is that that, that would lift in the name of Jesus that, that would lift in the name of Jesus it'd be transformed with ever glory and there would be power in this place power over anxiety power over fear it'd be healing power it'd be boldness